difference. Well, we're in a sermon series called Forward in Faith, and we've seen how God wants us to move forward in life, in every area of life, in our Christian life, and, and, and that requires a vision, faith, and action. And in this series, we're using the word forward as an acrostic, and all these words are verbs, and the word forward stands for this, follow, obey, resist, that's resist the enemy, worship, abide, reach, and, and disciple. And we're taking a few weeks here on that first one, uh, which is follow. And once we're born again, I'm going to do a little review here today so that we're all on the same page. Once we're born again, everything in the Christian life is progressive. It moves forward. It, it requires moving forward. Hebrews 6.1 in the Amplified Version says this, Therefore, let us go on and get past... Can you say get past? Get past past the elementary stage in the teachings of Christ. Advancing steadily. You don't get there all at once. It's a progressive thing. It's a progression. It's a step by step. It's line upon line, precept upon precept. Advancing steadily towards the completeness and perfection that belong to spiritual maturity. We should all be steadily advancing towards spiritual maturity. Yes, there will be some ups and downs. I get that. But, but the, there, we're in this lifelong process of becoming mature Christians. And, and this lifelong process, process is called discipleship. The pathway between immaturity and maturity is discipleship. The street between sonship and leadership is discipleship. The road between rebellion and righteousness is discipleship. The highway between hopelessness and holiness is discipleship. You get what I'm saying this morning? So today I'm speaking on the purpose of discipleship. The purpose of discipleship, many people know they should follow Christ, they know they should make disciples, but they really don't know why. And until you really get the why, you probably won't do it. So today, we're talking about the why of discipleship, the why we are followers of Christ. And last week in a sermon called Follow, I talked about the two parts of discipleship, that a disciple is first a student who who learns from another, but secondly, biblically, uh, especially in the rabbinical way of following a, a rabbi, a disciple is a follower who follows another, not just so they learn what they know, but in order that they may become like them, in order that they may become who they are. And remember we talked about there's a difference between a believer and a disciple. Believers are saved and going to heaven, but many uh, believers never become disciples. They never progress beyond spiritual infancy. Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 14, 20. Immature believers, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Do, sisters too, brothers includes everybody here. Don't think, well, that's for the men. Everybody, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil. Man, some of us are way too wise in evil ways. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. The only way that happens is when your mind is renewed with the word of God. But immature believers stay childish in their thinking. But disciples put away childish thinking. We'll probably talk about that sometime in this series. Putting away, it's a scripture, put away childish thinking and childish ways and put on the mind of Christ. 
And with that in mind, we're going to look at seven reasons today, and there's a lot more reason than this, but this is the ones I felt led to speak on today. Seven reasons why discipleship is necessary according to the Bible. You ready? Come on, some of y'all. Are y'all ready? I need everybody ready. All right. The first reason for discipleship is obedience. Before we talk about any results, before we talk about what we get out of it, before we talk about what anybody else gets out of it, discipleship is about obeying the command of Christ. And basically, when it comes down to it, we really don't need any other reason. Here's the one reason. I'm going to give you six more, but here's the main thing. We obey the word of the Lord. Jesus gave us a great commission in Matthew 28, 19 and 20, which says, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. This commission is for all Christians for all time. It's not just for pastors or leaders or missionaries. It's for all believers. It's for you. You should be progressively moving forward in that calling. And by the way, you cannot make a disciple until you become a disciple. You cannot become a disciple until you become a believer. We'll talk more about this progression of going from a lost person to a saved, born-again believer in Jesus Christ to becoming a disciple, to becoming a disciple-maker. But he said, go and make disciples, baptizing them. Now, if you've never been baptized in water, you you haven't even obeyed the first commands here that Jesus gave in uh, in Matthew 28 about what we do when we go. How are you going to make disciples if you're not even obeying the commands of the Lord? And he commanded us to to be water baptized. And if you've never been, I encourage you right now, today, don't leave here today without going out to that connection center. Uh, Talk to Sonia. Sonia's still in here. Sonia, raise your hand. Man, you were singing bass this morning. That that was awesome. (laughs) I love that. It was awesome. Thank you so much. See her. I don't even know if I'm doing the right protocol right now, but I just know that's the way to do it. And and sign up to get baptized in water. Do it. Don't put it off again. Some of y'all have been putting it off for years. Just do it. It's part of progressively moving forward in our faith. As the Great Commission says, we've got to obey the commands of Christ. And, and as I taught you last week, his first command was in Mark 1.15, repent and believe the good news. That's, that's how you become a born-again believer, but it doesn't stop there. Some people do that and never progress beyond it. Beyond it, don't get water baptized, don't do anything else, but they are born again. But the very next command is found in the next verses, Mark 1.17. Jesus said, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. The first command of Christ was to repent and place your faith in him. That's how you become a believer. The next command is to follow him. That's how you become a disciple. Discipleship begins with obedience. By the way, if you're stuck, this just came to me. If you're stuck, I'm speaking to somebody here, and and you you just don't know what to do, I'm going to ask you to this. Go back. What's the last thing you know God told you? Have you done that? Maybe you're stuck because God's waiting on you to do the last thing he told you to do. And, And you're waiting for something else. Just want to encourage somebody this morning to think back. What's the last thing... God told you to do. Obedience. Obedience is a big key in discipleship. Secondly, discipleship is necessary because Jesus made disciples. Jesus is our example. If you study the Gospels, you will find out what what Jesus did. He ministered for three years while he was on earth. He he ministered to the masses of people. He speaked 
spoke. He spoke. He spoke to huge crowds. And he, but he primarily spent his time with a small group of 12 men in whom he poured his life into. He, he took them everywhere with them. He taught them. He trained them. He rebuked them. He corrected them. He encouraged them. He prayed for them. He invested his life in them. And they caught the life of, of Christ. They, he was taught, but they also caught by, by, by spending time with him. Listen to Mark 3, 14 through 15. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Notice the first priority of disciples. Not to go out and do something. The first priority of a disciple is to be with him. Spend time with him. Get in his word. Get in his presence. Minister to him. Your first ministry is to the Lord. You minister to him through your praise and through, through your worship. And then you can go out and minister in his name. So Jesus ushered in a spiritual kingdom that has lasted more than 2,000 years. It's, it's billions of people around this planet are followers of him because he invested his life in 12 men. Think about that. And if we're going to touch heaven and change earth as a church, that's our vision. I think the strategy of Jesus Christ is the best strategy of all. And the heart of discipleship exists within a small group of believers who are building into each other's lives at a deeper level, holding each other accountable, loving each other, encouraging each other, uh, going deeper in Christ together. And that discipling relationship is, is marked by a disciple maker who listens and seeks to understand the, the person who is being discipled. They they believe in that person. They encourage them. They walk through life with them, not only in the victories of life, but in the failures of life. That's some of the best teaching moments, the failures of life. And so discipleship is working out the truth of God's word in the context of a loving, gracious relationship. We do that because Jesus, our example, did that. Amen. See, the purpose of discipleship, the reasons for discipleship, number one, Jesus commanded it. Number two, Jesus did it. And number three, the purpose of discipleship, of following Christ, is to know God. The key purpose is the, of discipleship is to help you understand who Jesus is so that you can become like him. Now listen, without Jesus, without Jesus involved in this process, you cannot know how to be a disciple, you cannot get discipled, you cannot disciple others. He modeled it for us over 2,000 years ago. He had anywhere from four to 120 disciples at different points in the Bible, and they followed him everywhere and listened to his teaching, and they lived with him, and he promised them, he promised them, I will be with you forever, I will be with you to all eternity. For all eternity. And after teaching his disciples about his father, after teaching them about his kingdom, uh, about, uh, teaching them about his principles, he sent out those disciples, and there were 72 at that time. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them out two by two to go preach, preach the gospel, cast out demons, heal the sick. And when they returned, the Bible says that they were all happy and they were excited and they were rejoicing that even the demons had to submit to them in the name of Jesus. You remember that story? It's a great thing. But Jesus, he always looked for a discipling moment. This is a real key in your life. If, as you're ministering to others, as you're ministering parents, as you're ministering to your children. Parents, you're the key disciple maker with your children. You got students, you got youth age. We we got them 45 minutes a week back here. 
you've got to spend some time discipling your children. And some of that is looking for discipling moments. There are things that happen. It's like right here. They came back rejoicing that the spirits were subject to their name. And Jesus could have said, oh, that's great. Keep rejoicing. Uh, but that's not what he did. He told them in Luke ten twenty, do not rejoice that the spirits are s- submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. New believers are always excited about their newfound faith. They're excited about being forgiven. They're excited about this fact that now they feel clean. They felt dirty and guilty and condemned, and now they feel clean, and they've got a a new slate. And then then they get filled with the Holy Spirit, and there's this power they're experiencing in their life, and they they get all caught up in all the the things that happen and the miracles and signs and, and wonders. But they've got to have a correct understanding of who Jesus is. And what his priorities are. The Bible says you can do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus and then end up in front of him at the end of time and he say, sorry, depart from me, I never knew you. See, knowing him is what's most important. Knowing what his priorities are. And they needed to know what his priorities were. They needed sound doctrine so they can help lead others to Christ. You need sound doctrine so you can lead others to Christ and disciple them in their walk with the Lord. So Jesus taught his disciples right there. He took that moment to say, hey, I want to refocus you right here a little bit. It's good. That's a good thing. But your focus is not, your focus, listen to me, your focus is never staying on the enemy. I I used to hear this before. Glance at the enemy, but gaze at Jesus. Glance at the devil. (laughs) Get thee behind me. I rebuke you. I resist you. Be gone in the name of Jesus, but keep your gaze on Jesus. And Jesus taught us here. He just taught them, and through that he's teaching us that our true focus should be an eternal focus, an eternal perspective, not just on the temporal, temporary experiences of life. They're, they are great, but we need something beyond that. So discipleship is needed because we need to know God and we need to understand his priorities. Number four, discipleship is necessary because other people need to know God. I love the opening line to Rick Warren's book, The Purpose Driven Life. It says, his opening line is, it's not all about you. It's not all about you. Some people live like it's all about them. Discipleship is not just all about you and your relationship with God. The purpose of Christ in having disciples was so they could first know him and then they would go out and make more disciples who follow him and come to know him. And and they make other disciples who follow him and come to know him. We find this in 2 Timothy 2.2 where Paul said, I love this. You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now you've heard this. Now you teach this to other trustworthy people who will be able to teach others also. This is the progression of of discipleship. This is how how the church grows. Uh, We follow the example uh, because we're Christ's followers. We follow his example. And we make disciples who make disciples. Jesus said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Listen, if you're not fishing, you're not following. Y'all got real quiet right there. If you're not making disciples, if you're not being disciples, you're not following. If you're not making disciples, you're not following. 
Jesus says to all his followers, all his followers everywhere, go everywhere because everybody needs to hear the good news. Some people think making disciples only happens at church. Really, this is it. We, we got a couple hours together in the week and that's it. No, it happens every day in our everyday lives. In fact, the word go in Matthew 28, 19 is a command to intentionally go and make disciples. But listen, you know you cannot go into the whole world by yourself. Thank God we have missionaries that we can send that can go into parts of the world that we can't go. But do you know that you go parts, into parts of the world that nobody else can go? One of y'all know that. Well, I'm going to tell the rest of y'all. You go places... I don't go. Now, some of them places you need to stop going to, but do you go places? <laughs> and, and there's a case to be made that the word go here actually means the tense of the Greek and all that. Some of y'all understand this stuff. I don't really, but it means as you go, as you are going. And, and that's the way some of the Bible translations translate it. The Weiss translation says, having gone on your way, make disciples. God's word translation says, wherever you go, make disciples. And so this going that Jesus is talking about is not just going to church or going on a mission trip. When you go to church, make a disciple. When you go on a mission trip, make disciples. The rest of the time, don't worry about it. No. Going is about going to work. It's about going to school. It's about going into your neighborhood. It's about going to your friend's house. It's about going home. Wherever you go, make disciples. There's some places you can go that the rest of us can't go. There's some people that you can reach that the others of us cannot reach. God's placed you in a sphere of influence that you have in your home, with your friends, with your workplace, people that you know, and you are called to go forth and make disciples. Listen, because when Jesus was on earth, he was limited where he could go. He could be in one place at one time. He couldn't appear to every person on the planet at the same time, but he chose us. He chose people. He chose his followers to take his message into the far corners of the earth. That's not just going to the Solomon Islands. That's, just not, that's not just going to Africa. That's going into your neighborhood. And we've got to remain obedient to that calling and find people to, to, to disciple in our daily lives, whether it's within your own family, your circle of friends, uh, people in the church, or globally. You're called to make disciples who love and follow Jesus. You got real quiet on me on this. I know this touches, hits on all of our, our toes a little bit because it's, it's one of the biggest struggles in church right now. It has been for a long time. Us catching the vision to be fishers of men. Us catching the vision to actually follow what Jesus said and make disciples. Not just come to church. That's awesome. Not just worship together. That's awesome. But to go out from here and make disciples. Listen, number five, discipleship is necessary to empower the next generation of leaders. I'm not going to speak a lot on this today because I just preached on this recently, but I want to remind you of our, our current updated vision right now uh, for our church. It's to become a multi-generational church that makes disciples, strengthens families, and empowers the next generation of leaders. Notice that discipleship and empowering the next generation of leaders uh, go together. Now, this is not just about young people. There's some people who are in the next generation of leaders who could be in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s. They've just never led. They've never followed that call to make disciples. 
But without discipleship, young people will drift away from the faith and begin to walk in the ways of the world. They need to be grounded in the faith, grounded in the Word of God, grounded in prayer, grounded in praise and worship, grounded in their identity in Christ. Hey, identity is huge these days, and people are going after some crazy things in terms of identity. You better teach your children who they are in Jesus Christ. They don't find their identity there. They're going to find something strange. So it's important that they are listened to and encouraged and prayed with and discipled by, by, by people who are Christ-like examples. Listen, I know you're not perfect. Don't, if you think you've got to be perfect before you can do this, nobody will ever do it. See, one of the things you model is how to, what to do when you mess up. You repent. You ask forgiveness. You, you learn from it. But without discipleship from someone who is strong in their faith and, and identity in the in Jesus Christ, the, the next generation coming up will not be strong leaders of the truth. And, and, and I know this seems like an impossible task, but we have heard from God, and we're moving forward this in, in this vision in the name of Jesus to see generations. We believe in millennials. We believe in Generation X. We believe in Generation Z. We, we believe that, that God has his hand on them, and God is going to move on them. We've not given up on them. We believe for them in the name of Jesus God has a plan for them and, and is going to move strong through them. We had some, some young people, one right there, right there, Jaquan, sitting there, was up here on, at night prayer. Thank you, Kim and Jerome. I honor you for discipling your young man. I honor you guys. I know you're not just bringing them to church. I know you, Jaquan, she's telling you some stuff at home. Jerome telling you some stuff at home, too. Yeah, you'd be better not to. <laughs> But we had young people sharing with us at Ignite Prayer just on the issues of this generation and what can we do as a church to, to reach them. We've got to figure that out, and in the name of Jesus, we will. Anybody with me on that? All right, I've got to move on. The sixth, the, the purpose of discipleship is to grow to spiritual maturity. I think this is like one of the, one of the main things. What does spiritual maturity look like? I can tell you in one word. Jesus! That's why Jesus said in Luke 6.40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like his teacher. The goal of discipleship is that you become like Christ. And God has different callings and different plans and destinies for each of us, but we all have one thing in common. God wants to make us more and more like Jesus. Amen. Romans 8, 28 and 29 are my, my favorite passage in the Bible. Romans 8, 28, many people know that, that all things work together for good, for them that love God, a lot of people stop there, and that are called according to his purpose. And then they wonder, well, then what's his purpose? Well, he tells us in Romans 8, 29, the very verse, next verse, if sometimes if you would just keep reading, <laughs> instead of pulling one verse out and you read around it, get the context, you'll learn something. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. This is the purpose of God, family. God has, loves family. He loved, had a son he loved so much, he wants a vast family of children, just like that one, conformed to the image of his son. So the, that's the goal of discipleship, to become like Christ. Listen, the world tells you to, to be yourself. God tells you to be like Christ. The world tells you, have it your way. The Bible tells you, you better do it God's way. 
And the pathway from self-centeredness to Christ-likeness is discipleship. Becoming like Christ doesn't mean you're going to be God. You're never going to be God. When we say you're becoming like and conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, you're never going to be God. But you can become godly. What does that look like? It looks like Jesus Christ. He is the exact representation of God. The express image. Ephesians 4.15 in the message version says this. God wants us to grow up like Christ in everything. The purpose of discipleship, <clears throat> excuse me, is to become like Christ in everything. In our faith, in our praying, in our praise, in our worship, in our dependence of, on God, in our love for the Word of God, our love for God, our love for people, our character, our authority over the enemy, our relationship, uh, uh, our work, and in, in, in everything. And becoming like Christ is this process called discipleship. And discipleship takes a lifetime. Becoming like Christ means our character is improving, our power is increasing, our love is intensifying. Our lives are influencing more people. Our prayers are interceding for more people. Our money is investing in the kingdom. Our witness is inviting more people into the kingdom. Our goal is to make more disciples. And one of the things that people leave out when they think of becoming like Christ, they think of character or power, but they leave out what Jesus spent his time doing, making disciples. He spent his time on earth making disciples who would make disciples who would make disciples. And if we're going to be like Christ, we need to also be disciple makers who make disciples who make disciples. Every Christian should actively be seeking to get help from others to keep growing in their faith. That's discipleship. Every Christian should be helping unbelievers become believers by sharing Christ with them. And every Christian should be helping other believers grow to maturity. That is making a disciple. And if you're not following Christ, you're not obeying Christ. And if you're not helping others follow Christ, that's an area where you're not like Christ. There's so many verses that teach us to follow Christ as our example. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, Paul said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. I wasn't planning on saying this, but it just came to me as I'm standing here. You know how many times we say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, and, and um, I want you to follow Christ like I'm following Christ, but, but don't look at me. Keep your eyes on Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm saying? Was that just me? Is it, come on, you know what I'm saying. You're like, don't look at me. Don't put your eyes on man. But Paul, he said, follow my example. Imitate me. As I follow Christ, I'm following the example of Christ, so you follow my example. You say, well, that's Paul. Okay. (laughs) Follows a man just like us. Now, obviously, there's some things we need to work on. I mean, if that verse gives you pause and you automatically think of a list of things that disqualify you from that, I would say your first step should be work on those things. But don't wait till you're perfect before you help somebody because you'll never help nobody. We've got to follow the example of Christ. Jesus is our example of how to live and how to give. He's our example of how to pray and how to obey. He's our example of how to serve, our example of how to love, our example of how to make disciples. And discipleship does require not just spending time with a disciple maker, but spending time with Christ, spending time with God, also spending time with mature people who can be an example to you. 
Not everything is taught. Some things are caught. <clears throat> Think about riding a bike. You can read a book on riding a bike. Does that qualify you to ride a bike? No, you got to get out there. You got to have somebody. I remember when I learned to ride a bike, my dad was out there with me, you know, holding up the bike and just kind of going along with me and getting faster and faster and faster, letting go a little bit. And I'm going, oh, and he grabbed a hold and take me again. And eventually, you know, I, I kind of figured out how to balance, you know, that is making a disciple. Some things are taught, some things are, are caught. And you can hear teachings on prayer, and you should, and read books on prayer, and you should, but you'll never really learn how to pray until you start praying. And one of the best ways to learn to pray is to get around other mature believers who know how to pray. Come to Ignite Prayer. Come to men's prayer meeting. Come to the women's prayer meeting. Get, get involved with people who know how to pray and follow their examples as, as you follow Christ. You can read books on praise and worship, and you should, but, but one of the best ways to learn praise and worship is to be in a worship service like today with people who praise and worship God in spirit and in truth. You learn by their example as, you, as they follow Christ. The goal of discipleship is not just that you become like Christ but that you help others become like Christ. And lastly, the purpose of discipleship is to help others grow in spiritual maturity. The goal is you becoming a disciple maker. Eventually the hope is that the the people you've been discipling will make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. That's how the people of God grow, and that's how the church grows. The purpose of the church is to glorify God and to multiply God's family. So everything we do should glorify God and and make disciples. And and some people have a very limited view of discipleship. They think it only happens when one person mentors another person. That's a huge part of discipleship. But that's not the only part. I believe everything we do in church should be about life transformation, should be about discipleship. Discipleship happens like today through our preaching and teaching, through our praise, through our worship, through the words that come forth, the prophetic words and other words that come forth through this service, through our children and youth ministries, through our outreach ministries, through our small groups, through men's breakfast and women's brunches and and events and through counseling and through leadership development. Everything we do is part of this discipleship, disciple-making process. And I know this might seem hard to you or impossible to you or difficult to you. There's truth in that because Jesus said in John 15, 5, without me you can do nothing. We cannot ever accomplish this in our own strength or wisdom. But Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. God gives us the power. Listen, when God calls us to do something and God commands us to do something, God is going to give us the power to do it. Listen, listen to this. This is the amazing thing about Jesus Christ's ministry. In John 5.30, Jesus said, by myself, I can do nothing. Now you're like, wait a minute, that's God in the flesh. But theologically, this is called the kenosis. It's that when Jesus was on earth, he emptied himself. He laid aside the independent exercise of his power, his wisdom, and totally, listen, totally relied on the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to earth to die for our sins, but he also came to show us how to live. And he lived and ministered in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we can minister like Jesus and live like Jesus only if we have the power of the Holy Spirit operating in us and through us. The more like Christ we become, listen, the more dependent upon the Holy Spirit 
we will be we will be because his whole life was lived in dependence upon the father and the holy spirit and think about this jesus never did a miracle until he was baptized in the jordan and the bible says he was filled with the holy spirit and from that day forward began to do his ministry and remember our destiny is to become like christ so since christ was born of the spirit we need to be born again by the spirit Since he was filled with the Spirit, we need to be filled with the Spirit. Since Jesus was led by the Spirit, we need to be led by the Spirit. Since Jesus ministered in the power of the Spirit, we need to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit. Since Jesus had the fruit of the Spirit in his life, love, joy, peace, gentleness, all those awesome things, we need the fruit of the Spirit growing in our life. Since Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit, we should depend on the Holy Spirit. Since Jesus made disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can also make disciples who make disciples, who make disciples until Jesus Christ returns again. This is the purpose of God for the church. This is the purpose of God for your life. This is your destiny. Let's embrace it. Let's run with it. And let's glorify God in the name of Jesus, not just through our praise, not just through our worship, but through the making of disciples. God, help us. Lord, forgive us. Forgive us for the times and ways we failed at making disciples, for the opportunities to witness that we've passed up because we were afraid or concerned about what people would think. Forgive us. God, I pray that you would help us in this church. God, we're, we're declaring we've tried and failed. We need you. We need your help. Help us to have a disciple-making culture in this church where all of us are discipled and make disciples. For your glory, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen.